your brain might turn to putty. But there's still a chance to learn. We'll be your study buddies. We're going to talk about some stuff and make research cool. Blast off. Blast off. Good morning, everyone. And welcome back to Study Buddies, a podcast where we give you the latest in science and psychology. And also some other things. <laughs> Sometimes, indeed. My name is Paula Sanchez Abreu. And my name is Taylor Collins. And we are your co hosts. And it is the morning. So we are um, hazily waking up. And I. Taylor, I have a concerning morning this morning because we're meeting with a potential adopter for Brian shortly after Mm. this, and I'm very... Brian is not a child or a human. It is a dog. I thought I would clarify. Thank you. Yes, Brian is my foster dog, and my parents are, like, trying to adopt him right now, but they're a step behind this person that we have a meeting with, apparently. So, like, if the meeting, I don't know, goes a certain way, then, like, there's a potential that Brian may not be in my life forever, like I was expecting if my parents were going to adopt him. So I'm just a little nervous and a little frightened. I just would, I would sabotage this. Like I would, yeah. I don't know, like he'd, like Brian doesn't get enough sleep, so he's irritable. Or, or <laughs> well, that's actually you, true. <laughs> or I would write, like I would just like, I don't know, like whisper threatening messages to the visitor. Like, yeah. like don't take this dog. You can't or I'll kill you. It's like a Zoom meeting, which is good. So, like, you know, like, we can be really, like, kind of standoffish. And, like, Brian can also appear standoffish because dogs don't Zoom. And if he's (laughs) – if this person is interested, well, then we'll have to meet in person. And that's that's where the danger is. Like, a lot of the times an in-person meeting, like, the dog leaves with the person. So that's what we don't want. So so the challenge is – to make these people not fall in love with a very, very lovable dog. Right. Which is, it's going to be really difficult. And if, you know, well, I'm just, I'm really, I'm hoping that the universe pulls through on this one. But if not, that's okay. There are other dogs that are wonderful in the world. It's just hard to believe right now when we have the best one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's my I hope. Little, little frightening fact. <laughs> I hope this visit goes horribly for you. <laughs> no, you want it to go great for me and horribly for the other person. You're right. You're right. That is exactly what I want. Sabotage. Yes. Perfect. So, um, speaking of, like, horrible 2020 events that may occur, we were just thinking things have been kind of eerie lately. There's just this, like... Doom and gloom, you know, the like apocalyptic feelings yeah. in the air. Some real spooky energy. It, it's been very spooky, and it's going to be Halloween soon. Halloween is coming. It's my song. Ooh. Did you like it? It was great. It was, I, felt, I felt so scared. <laughs> I'm glad. It's going to be a one-hit wonder. <laughs> Uh, you can see this because podcasts are not a visual medium, but uh, Taylor was doing a little dance to my song. <laughs> there, there may have been finger guns. But so, this is this is true. 
we were, you know, Halloween is around the corner. Pandemic is giving us not just the Sunday scaries, but the everyday scaries. So we mm-hmm. wanted to explore this study that Taylor brought to us. Um, Taylor, do you want to tell us the name? Yes. The study is called Pandemic Practice. Horror fans and morbidly curious individuals are more psychologically resilient during the COVID-19 pandemic. This is totally cuckoo crazy. Yes. So basically, this this study, um, it was accepted in se- September of 2020 uh, to the Journal of Personality and Individual Differences to be published uh, in their January 2021 issue. Cool. What led to this study? Well, the study actually, it opens with a Stephen King quote that I really liked. And it of says... Of course. Of course it does. <laughs> a good horror story is one that functions on a symbolic level using fictional and sometimes supernatural events to help us understand our own deepest real fears. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the authors basically suggested that we, as people, can utilize fiction as, like, practice simulations for real-world experiences. Oh, that feels totally true. Yeah, like, so, like, theoretically pandemic and apocalyptic fiction might allow us to explore possible futures and gather information about what the real version of that happening might look like mm-hmm. and how we might prepare. Yeah, I, I feel like I, def- <laughs> I definitely practice this in my own brain. I make up horror stories in my own brain and then I feel very <laughs> calm when things happen. <laughs> Yeah, like basically like the authors kind of talk about this being like psychological, like experiencing these like scary movies or pandemic films being like practice for accepting Mm -hmm. that circumstance, kind of like bracing for the impact of it. They compare it to play where like kids might process things or act them out. And that includes like situations that could be potentially dangerous, but you're doing it in almost like a safe environment. Like, you know, you're not actually going to get hurt when you're watching a scary movie. Right. Yeah, I remember um, pretending, like, one of my pretends when I was little, one of my favorite pretends was kidnapping. (laughs) Pretending to be kidnapped was something that I loved to play. Like, you just put your sister in the trunk of the car, essentially. (laughs) No, I would have myself put, like, I would, like, have people take me and, like, put me in places in the house and be trapped there. I loved that. (laughs) <laughs> You're like, if if this happens, I know how I'll get out of the place that I was put in. Right. I had practice in playtime where it was safe. Yeah. And they say it's like it's kind of similar to um, like rough play fighting, like evolutionarily. So like when you think oh. about like how like cubs kind of. Oh, yeah. Like play fight with each other. Like it then they do that for a, a purpose because then when they actually have to fight each other as like adult cats in a serious situation, like they've had this practice of doing it. Got it. So it's almost like practicing that on a psychological level of being like, oh, yes, I'm used to being terrified. I do that to myself voluntarily, regularly. <laughs> right. So like these possible situations that horror movies might explore like could be things like you just said, like how would I react to somebody else in a crisis or like how would I react to somebody else that was attacking me? Uh, Like what mistakes can be made? You know, like those are the things that you would see in a horror movie. Is that correct? Yeah. Like you notice when, like in a movie when 
someone makes the mistake of being like, there's always a girl who like goes down a hallway without like a By flashlight. Herself. Yeah. Yeah. Like just don't, you know, so we would have that experience from watching the, the horror and the pandemic movies, you know, hopefully, ideally, this is theoretical. Right. <laughs> and like, obviously a zombie movie might seem kind of like far-fetched. That's, but yeah. it's possible that like the themes that like arise about like how individuals would kind of interact with each other or what might come up in a real like global or national crisis like those might be relevant got it yeah for sure themes like how civilization kind of like uh or like society responds to the chaos and like how your behavior changes in like circumstances that look similar to those in the the horror movie is that what you mean yeah so it's like horror movies would be like a fire drill for the apocalypse. <laughs> okay. The authors shared that prior research has shown that popular fiction, like, consumption tends to mimic, like, issues in the actual real world right now. So, mm. like, for example, they gave, like, the sudden popularity of Contagion on Netflix. I don't know if that boosted to the top of everyone else's cues because it boosted to the top of mine. Same. But since COVID-19 started, that's, like... Yeah, you know, I had, like, three friends that texted me, like, shortly before lockdown or, like, right after lockdown being, like, watching Contagion tonight should be fun. Ha, ha, ha. And I was, like, why would you do that to yourself? Wow. So I feel like we're seeing the different traits of who <laughs> would watch what coming out now. And Paula is not into it. No, I'm definitely not. Because, <laughs> well, because the thing is, like, it would be stressful to watch these scary scenarios, even if they're fake, right? That's why I don't watch them. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd like, absolutely. Like, the authors, like, say, like, there is a stress tax. Like, you feel negative emotions, and it takes time to, like, watch a scary movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, so between just, like, the time and just the feeling terrified, um, that's definitely scary. But that's, like, the almost the price that you pay to access mm that experience or that information. So they actually kind of, they they talked about a term that I'm, I really, really love, and they call it morbid curiosity. So the authors define it as the extent to which an individual is motivated to learn about the dangerous situations in life. Okay. So people who are high in like trait, like trait being it, like it's a kind of stable part of who you are. Got it. Um, trait morbid curiosity are more likely to have interest in pandemic themed content and then like gain that knowledge from those like fake experiences Hmm. okay so they basically say that not only does it help you navigate like information that could help you get through these like dangerous situations where if they were to occur but you're also like practicing how to manage and regulate your own emotions. Ah, something very helpful in the world, especially Always now. helpful. <laughs> so prior research from 2019 had shown that people who attend, like, a lot of haunted houses and, you know, like, those spooky walks that they have, mm -hmm. they use, like, a range of emotion regulation and coping strategies to keep that, like, fear at bay in order to get more enjoyment out of the experience. <laughs> so, like, again, we're, we're – like – it's just another – that's another example of how horror fiction experiences can provide a safe place to practice fear. Just like playing when you were little could give a safe place to practice fear without that context of danger. And then that helps people 
regulate their fear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this exposure to that, like, simulated fear, um, that feeling that you get from these, like, terrifying movies. I'm, like, thinking, like, It and Saw and, yeah. Taylor, I got to tell you, just the commercials for those movies were enough. <laughs> I didn't need to watch any more. Well, it can, that fear um, from those can allow a person to rely less on using, like, avoidant coping skills to respond to fear so then they actually learn how to like work through that because when you actually do use avoidant mm-hmm. strategies to respond to fear that's actually related to poor psychological outcomes as a strategy mm, got it so it's really important to practice that and this seems to be a way to do it so the author's hypothesis hypotheses were that horror fans and the morbidly curious might have experienced less psychological stress and greater resilience during the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay. So what did they predict? So they had like basically three main predictions that horror fans would be more psychologically resilient, that though who those who score high in trait morbidity would be more psychologically resilient like during the pandemic and that those who watch okay. pandemic films specifically uh, would be associated with greater preparedness and psychological resilience during COVID-19. I'm so curious to see what they found. So how did they examine it? Or rather, the pun the pun that Taylor <laughs> wants me to say is, so what ghost into creating this study? Uh, so <sighs> <sighs> you love it. The authors focused on films as the fiction medium choice since they're really popular. So basically like TV shows, movies. And they recruited 322 U.S. participants from, like, a data-gathering site prolific oh, wow. in April of this year. So this was, like, early in the pandemic when everyone kind of knew that, it, like, we were having this, like, huge chaotic thing happening. But, like, no one really knew what was going on long-term yet. Mm, fascinating. I love how these – I love how the scientists were just like, something bad is happening. Exactly. That means science can be done. Let's take action now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So they had a, like quite a quite a few variables they wanted to measure. Um, so one was like what types of films and TV shows were they interested in. So they created a scale mm-hmm. um, to measure whether they were fans of horror movies or like pandemic movies. So they asked people to rate how much of a fan they were on a seven point scale of ten different genres of TV shows and movies, which included horror, zombie, okay, psychological thriller, supernatural apocalyptic like post-apocalyptic science fiction alien Mm -hmm. invasion crime comedy and romance okay so i would say science fiction crime comedy those are the ones that i like the most out of those so i don't know that i would qualify yeah and so those ones were actually kind of put in there to use as just to throw people off so they didn't know they were only being interviewed so you would just be the person who was like not really relevant in having interest in the uh, in the scary <laughs> ones that they were looking at. True. Very true. Um, and they, speaking of that, they also had asked people to rate how much they enjoy, like, TV and movies in general. Um, because they wanted to control for that being mm. something that kind of skewed the results. And they used that when right, they right, did right. their fancy statistics. Fancy statistics. Sometimes in... Like papers, there's just a lot of fancy statistics, and it's just easier to give you the conclusions because explaining yeah. them, we would just have to sign up for a class together. Ooh. There would be that's like that's like a yeah, that's like a year of AP statistics yeah. in high school. Don't want that again. Y'all don't want that, especially not on a podcast. Gross. 
So, um, and they, they had also uh-huh. asked about pandemic-specific questions by showing how interested that uh, participants were in current pandemic films. Well, pandemic films, like, at the moment, and then pandemic films, like, in the past and how many they, many they had seen. Okay. And then how did they measure, like, later pandemic resilience? Yeah, so with pandemic resilience, they kind of broke it down into two pieces where they looked at positive or like emotional states basically positive resilience so like being able to feel positive emotions um, and then they also looked at okay. negative which is basically negative resilience was kind of like feeling psychological distress so okay they had looked at other scales of resilience that had been utilized in the past but it seemed like other ones in the past were really designed to look at like a single event, like a terrorist attack or a natural disaster. And it seemed like those mm-hmm. scales really weren't relevant for this like abstract, ongoing, large COVID-19 pandemic. So they, they kind of like made their own type of scale? Yeah. It had 13 items and they called it the Pandemic Psychological Resilience Scale. And basically mm-hmm. people like agreed or disagreed on a seven point scale. When when I say a seven point scale, if you think about those things with like kind of seven different things that say like agree like strongly agree agree like mildly agree yeah so they use that and to give you an example of some of the items that they had on that it was they were things like during the pandemic I've been more depressed than usual or I haven't been Mm. sleeping well since the pandemic started or Mm. I feel positive about the future and I have found some aspects of the pandemic to be interesting. Or I believe in my ability to get through these difficult times. Oof. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they they looked at some of these pieces to kind of understand how people felt they were adjusting to the pandemic. Okay. And then they also created a seven-point scale uh, for pandemic preparedness. So how much you were oh, got it. ready to tackle the pandemic, um, it had five items. And like some of the items were things like, I was mentally prepared for a pandemic like the COVID-19 pandemic. I want to know the person that that says I strongly agree (laughs) for that one. It's like a doomsday preppers. Seriously. Uh, Like things like that or things like, um, I never could have imagined that a viral outbreak would have consequences like the COVID-19 outbreak did. And then they also looked to measure morbid curiosity. Oh, yeah. How do you measure that? This is actually something they had the researchers had used in their own prior studies. Oh. It's a 24-item scale that they created that measures, like, trait morbid curiosity to learn, like, how much people are motivated to learn about dangerous or threatening phenomena. When I think about morbid curiosity, do you know what I think of? I think of that song, that, that a line from that song that's like, Webs from all the spiders, catching things and eating their insides. Like, mm. I feel like whoever, yep. you know, like writing that that song. Like, is that My Chemical Romance? I is it my? I want I want to say it's Good Charlotte. Oh, that's it. That's it. I get those two confused a lot. But I I would say that that the, those songs definitely were in that realm. Right. Like you could see. I feel like people who write those things, you can see like. I feel like morbid curiosity is like the ability to just like look at something like terrifying and be like, okay, I'm not going to be blinded by the scariness of it, but I'm just going to be interested in the fact that it's there. And like you might be able to observe more about it because you're not like so terrified of it mm-hmm. or at least you're interested. That's in a it. good way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so lastly, they did an, one other like kind of control thing. Basically, they 
used a 10-item personality measure. Um, this is a scale that's been evaluated as reliable and valid in the past by other studies. Um, and they used it to control for just general personality characteristics that might affect okay. results. And they use that when they do their fancy statistics. Fancy statistics. Yeah. So speaking of fancy t- 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 statistics, what did they find? Da-da-da-da. So they basically organized the resilience into the two categories I had mentioned before, um, the positive Mm -hmm. and the negative, where the positive is being able to experience positive emotions throughout this pandemic, and negative included like disruptions in day-to-day life, like basically psychological Mm -hmm. distress, such as higher than usual depression, anxiety, irritability, um, sleeplessness. And then they also took all of this data, since a lot of it was on like points, You can make it almost numerical when you do these fancy statistics to find out the relationship of liking prepper movies, horror movies, and morbid curiosity as a trait. And then they compared these to the outcomes of the positive resilience, the psychological distress, and preparedness. Okay. Yeah. So they use computers to control for things and find statistically significant correlations um, to understand the data. And they also controlled for sex, age, income, how much the participants mm. said they enjoyed watching movies or TV shows in general. And then those okay. personality, that personality test that they threw in there. And that okay. included things like extroversion, conscientiousness, emotional stability, agreeableness, and openness. So when they control for those things, they're just trying to eliminate some of the underlying like variables that might right. kind of skew results. Got it. So what were the results? So it basically showed that being a horror fan was related to lower levels of psychological distress during the pandemic. Of course. Of course. (laughs) Says Paolo, who's like, I will not watch those movies. Nope. It's It's all making sense now. And they also showed that... Being like a prepper fan. So they kind of, the movies, the types of movies they put into like the prepper fan genre included zombie movies, alien movies, and apocalyptic movies. Mm -hmm. That that was related to lower psychological distress and better preparedness for the, like feeling you were better prepared for the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, that makes sense. And then they, they had looked at the past interest in pandemic films um, and they said that they found that that was related to preparedness. And specifically, people who had never seen like a pandemic movie felt significantly less prepared than people who had seen several. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And current interest, like being like, oh, yes, I'm interested in them now, was related to positive resilience, um, basically being able to experience like positive emotions, um, but not any, not the other ones. The other variables. Got it. And they also found that morbidly curious individuals experienced significantly greater positive resilience during the pandemic. Fascinating. Yes. So these are the people who would create a song about like webs and spiders eating things in their insides. <laughs> they they had just been able to be more experience more positive things and happy emotions. Got it. So good Charlotte was doing great during this pandemic. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, like the bottom line, there was a lot of like different relationships that they like investigated. But the bottom line that the authors said were that people who engage more frequently with frightening fictional phenomena, such as horror fans and the morbidly curious, displayed a more robust psychological resilience during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, 
Okay. Yeah. So like Fascinating. watching films that deal with like the social just chaos that might come mm-hmm. during a pandemic was associated also with greater reported preparedness for this pandemic as well. So like seeing it in a movie made you yeah. feel you were like ready to tackle it in the world. Fascinating. Oh, that's so interesting. And then what were the limitations of the study that we like should keep in mind before we start forcing ourselves to watch horror movies to be happy right now? (laughs) (laughs) So like they tried to they tried to control for a lot of like personality and like individual characteristics. But really, the design doesn't rule out the possibility that another trait or like types of traits could influence kind of the outcomes of this. So. Um, They say, for example, like sensation seeking is tied to like a higher desire for arousal. Like if you think sensation seeking makes me think of like the people who like jump out of airplanes or do that weird thing Mm -hmm. where they like have hooks in their back and they hang from them. Like just weird. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There's just stuff that people do. I, I mean, I shouldn't say it's weird, you know, to each their own, but there's just some things that have higher risk. And you get sensations. And so people who do that um, have a greater desire for arousal. And they that's associated with enjoyment of horror media. So there could be like underlying things that they weren't able to measure or accurately control for that could influence the results. Fair, fair, fair. And they also like one thing I wanted to know is that the authors created their own scales for measuring resilience and preparedness. Mm. So. Mm Like, sometimes you really just have to do that because there's no other way to really measure what you're trying to capture. Right. But it's always ideal to have a scale that's been, like, created and tested prior um, and measured on its own um, in order to Mm. use that in studies because it helps ensure the scale is really, like, capturing what you want to look at. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Especially the preparedness scale, which only had, like, five measures in it, which I think Mm -hmm. is low. Yeah, it's low and, like, it measured, like... All of these scales were self-report, so that's, like, a limitation in itself mm-hmm. because people might, like, think that they're think prepared right. or think that they did, like, were psychologically doing okay during the pandemic. But I think, like, if we were able to, like, measure that in a more controlled environment or in a different way, you when you, when you don't use self-report, sometimes you get different answers. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So they might be like, I was super prepared, but, like, in reality, they would have been one of the first to die. Because they wouldn't have collected enough water. (laughs) Some type of. Yeah. I actually personally watch a lot of these types of things. Like, I know what to do if there's, like, a nuclear war. Well, that's good. Somebody has to. uh, You know, but maybe I would just rate myself high on this preparedness. Maybe I would have no idea what I would do, actually. Yeah, it's funny because we can talk about this more next week, but I don't watch any horror movies and I really felt prepared. (laughs) <laughs> you did. <gasps> yeah. That is fascinating. Yeah. We'll talk about it more next we week will. for certain in our next in our next ep our next epi. Yeah. And I guess one one last limitation of this study is that they they did gather subjects from an online database called Prolific. And I just think sometimes like basically you sign up voluntarily and they send like studies that are relevant to you to take. Sometimes like gathering f- people from a database you're not getting like a really collective sample because it might be that people who are more likely right. to sign up for an online database of studies already have a certain like trait characteristic underneath all of them yeah like being poor fair. that's totally that would be <laughs> right exactly well thank you for bringing this in what a wonderful way to send us into spooktober oh yes we just we just thought 
you know, for all of you out there who are thinking the same thing I am, I will be increasing my spooky movie watching to practice my fear <laughs> arousal response. Um, I don't know if that will do anything. It the study basically <laughs> says like we're not telling you to go watch scary movies. Like we don't we don't know if it helps, but like there's a correlation. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anything, you could watch scary movies just because you like them, and that's also good enough. Yeah, we invite we invite that to happen. <laughs> just wanted to point out to you guys that at the end of my notes here, there's a note that oh, says place for this. spooky puns here, and then Taylor wrote things <laughs> like boo, spooky, and cauldrons because science and like witches just a little behind the scenes of this podcast this is just paula sharing my like very embarrassing brain cloud that happens as i write notes (laughs) (laughs) oh man oh well thank you very much taylor for bringing this in we will see you guys next week for a little chat about the study some macaroni and cheese And some day to data. Oh, yeah. I hope you guys have a boo-tiful week this week. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. All right. And a spooktacular month. Okay. That was very funny, Taylor. You're You're welcome. really well. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, We wanted to send you out with just a little treat that we've prepared for you. So we'll see you next week. This might be the scariest thing you hear all week. And we'll close out with... We did the mash... We did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. We did the mash. We did the monster mash. The monster mash. Ooh. Ooh. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. (laughs) Study Buddies was created by Paula Sanchez-Abreu and Taylor Collins. Our graphic design was done by Monica Ray Summers-Gonzalez, and our intro song was composed by singer-songwriter Caught In Between. You can follow Study Buddies on Instagram at studybuddies.com and email the show at studybuddiespodcast at gmail.com.